Hey everybody, it's Linnea with Getting High with True Crime. Uh, just coming at you again. Um, this is take number three of this episode, number six. Um, working out the kinks on the remote uh, recording. So there's been some issues with that. So we're going old school where it's just me here alone in the studio. Uh, normally, if I could get it working, my guess would be Melissa. And I tell you, we recorded two really great, awesome episodes about the same thing. <laughs> and maybe I'll save some of the content. I'll cut it out or whatever. Use it for some extra content somewhere. Or little tidbits we can share. But well, until then, until I get this figured out, this is what we're doing. So uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the case of the kidnapping and murder of Kelly Cook in Standard, Alberta, back in 1981. So this starts with a man calling the high school and asking the principal for information about a particular female student. Um, he was looking for her address and her phone number just trying to find a babysitter for him and his wife. Uh, so he called himself Bill Christensen, and Christensen is a very common last name for that part of Alberta. Uh, so, like, being a little on the cautious side, because it did seem kind of odd, uh, the principal did ask uh, for more details, um, but the caller just hung up. He didn't try and answer anything or anything. He just hung up. Six weeks later, uh, April 18th, 1981, the girl that uh, this Bill Christensen had been inquiring about when he talked to the principal at the high school, um, gave actually was able to give her a phone call. So somehow, somewhere, he got the, her phone number um, and inquired if she would be available to babysit that evening for him and his wife. But the girl already had plans, so she referred Bill to two other babysitters. One of them was Kelly Cook, a girl she had gone to school with. On Wednesday, April 22nd, 1981, so just uh, like four days later, Kelly received a call around 8 o'clock in the morning, but no one was there. It was just like a nothing and a hang-up. A few minutes later, a second call happened, and it was Bill Christensen, and he was looking for a babysitter th for that evening. Uh, so she talked to her mom and made sure it would be okay if she could go babysit. Um, her mom did say yes, but normally during on a weekday, she would have said no. She didn't really like her babysitting on school nights, but for some reason this time she said yes. So after working out the details, Kelly was picked up at about 8.30 p.m. So the last person to actually see her alive was her little sister um, who had been playing in the basement or whatever and looked out the window and happened to see her sister get into this unidentified man's car. Uh, one rule in the cookhouse uh, was that both of the girls, so her little sister was only three years younger than her, she was like 12, um, and she also babysat. Uh, once the girls got to the destination where they were going to be babysitting, they had to call home and let their parents know that they arrived safely um, but on this particular night that call never came Kelly never did call home after about an hour of not hearing from Kelly her mom started calling around and no one seemed to know anything about this Bill Christensen so nobody had really heard of him nobody really knew who he was where he was from any of that so it 
was kind of a little weird. And I mean, I know me as a mother myself, I'd probably be going into full panic mode at this point. Uh, so around midnight, her parents called the RCMP after still not hearing anything or finding anything out about this Bill Christensen. So RCMP were quick to arrive and Kelly, uh, being as this would have been completely out of character for Kelly, um, she was never one to not call. She was never one to run away. She was never one to be missing at any point for anything. Like she was always very punctual on time and listen to her parents' rules. Search parties were organized and even helicopters were utilized in the search for Kelly. Um, the media even showed up to broadcast about the story uh, quite quickly. Neighboring communities showed up to help search for Kelly as well. The, it, they jumped on this one quite quickly. Um, the only thing that made this really difficult is not knowing who Bill Christensen is or where he lives, or any of that, where do you start searching? It's hard to tell, right? You, you don't have a direction to start heading. Just days after Kelly's disappearance, her family received a sympathy card. It was signed Sick Stewart, so S-I-C-K Stewart. The message in the card was pretty rude. Um, it alluded to the fact that Kelly was probably dead, um, or that she was dead, I should say. Um, so police at this point started monitoring incoming mail for the family. So they go through it all and check it. Uh, they suspected that this particular sympathy card was actually from the man who took and potentially, well, they don't know yet, but killed Kelly. All searches after a while found nothing, no signs of Kelly at all. And after weeks, there was still no sign of her. Uh, a little bit later on, there was uh, a tip that had come in from an uh, AGT phone operator. So back in 1981, we didn't have, like, you actually talk to a human <laughs> when you hit zero. Uh, so if you needed to find a phone number or an address, you could always call zero on a payphone or whatever, and an operator would pick up and help direct your call. Um, so she said uh, she told police that she had received a, pay a call from a payphone that was located not far from Standard, Alberta, um, about an hour and a half after Kelly had been picked up by this mysterious man. The operator stated that when she picked up the call, all she heard was a girl screaming and then the line hung up. So that would just be terrifying. Uh, another tip that had come in uh, later on was there was a gas station manager who came forward to police describing a situation of a man trying to call uh, to arrange for a babysitter. He had borrowed... Uh, okay, so he was out on the payphone that's outside of the gas station, tried making the call, call didn't work. So then he p went inside the building and asked the gas station attendant if he could borrow the phone to make a call. And gas station attendant said that's fine he kind of stuck around nearby because back then you didn't have like free long distance or unlimited long distance whatever it was you paid for long distance for every like minute you were on the phone it cost you so much money right so they didn't want people using long distance calls on their business phone um so he did get a, a good look at the man the description that the gas attendant gave was that the man looked like a farmer. Uh, he dressed very similar to a lot of the other men in the area. 
He had dark hair, was possibly curly, fair to dark complexion, clean-shaven, probably in his 40s. He had yellow teeth, but not like he smoked, just like maybe he drank a lot of like darker-colored soda, pop, that stuff. Um, he didn't have glasses. He had thick eyebrows, uh, blue jean jacket is what he wore, and dark pants, and he had big hands. So, I mean, there's a lot of details there, but at the same time, that's also really a vague description because that could easily describe a giant chunk of the population down in that part of the province. So, two months after her disappearance, Callie's body was found. Uh, RCMP uh, quickly went to Callie's dad's work uh, and told him of what had happened. Uh, And then they asked him to go home right away and uh, let the rest of the family know, as uh, they had already notified uh, the news media of the details of what had happened um, and what they had found. So he didn't want, they, should I say, they didn't want um, his family to find out on the news. That would be just horrific, just horrifying. Uh, So he left right away and went home. Now, one of the things that the family did, as soon as she was missing, they left the porch light on, like the outside porch light. You know, kind of, it's one of those things you do when you're hoping somebody's still going to come home. Um, doesn't necessarily mean a lot, but to some people, I imagine in that situation, it would it would mean a lot. Um, so when Kelly's dad told her mom the news, her mom proceeded to go to this door and turn off this porch light so that's that would be so hard as a mom I think if I did that I'd probably break down crying and you you wouldn't be able to get me to move like I'd just be I'd be done um yeah so Kelly was found June 28th 1981 she was found in the Chin Lake Reservoir Uh, she was only found because that year um there was a drought going on and so the the water level in the reservoir was actually five feet lower than usual so the water had gone down and therefore her body had been exposed uh her body had been bound to cinder blocks to weigh her down to keep her under the water um the police had actually used uh dental records to identify her body Um, just because they really didn't want to bring the family in to try and ID her because they didn't want that to be their last memory of Kelly. And that's, that's something that, I mean, definitely that would be so hard. It's like, how do you want to remember them? I know for some people like, uh, watching my grandma get older and then when she got lung cancer, she went from being quite the sprightly stubborn lady to just just so thin and frail looking and it that's how I sort of remember her I tried to kind of block that a bit out of my mind and go back to the the more former version of her but it, I mean it's you can't you can't unsee those things right and this would definitely be something you wouldn't be able to unsee it'd be very hard it would stick with you so I'm kind of happy to hear that the police wanted to kind of save her family that trauma so another thing that did happen was uh just to give kelly's mom more of that closure um 
especially since she wasn't actually seeing the body herself was uh he asked her if she would be able to identify kelly by the earrings that they had found on the body and her mom was like yeah i can and so the detective handed her those earrings and immediately her mom recognized them and she knew on july 2nd at 7 30 an unidentified male went to the funeral home that was housing kelly's body at the time uh, and demanded to see her body now i should note that uh, her family had put uh, no viewings order on this they didn't want anybody seeing her this way uh, so the funeral home k- kindly told the man no there's no viewings you can't see the body um, he was turned away uh, he was very visibly upset very pissed off that he had, was not allowed to see the body now if it was a family member you think that they would discuss that with the family first or after even and nobody did so police are actually suspecting that maybe it was him the guy who had actually kidnapped and killed her um which that just brings a whole new level of creep ew so a man named robert brown confessed to killing kelly while being interrogated about the murder of two other women uh, but after some investigating, uh, the police were able to determine that he was nowhere near that area at the time that this all occurred um, and that he was lying. He actually confessed to quite a few different crimes, but for the most part, none of that was actually true. Um, so uh, over the time, of the course of the investigation until now, there was uh, several false confessions uh, over 2,200 people have been investigated by police as suspects. And to this day, Kelly's case goes unsolved. The only silver lining to this whole thing is that they actually found her. But um, her killer has gone free. And I mean, that was 41 years ago. So, or, well, 42 years ago, almost. Um yeah, so, I mean, if the guy was in his 40s, if the gas station attendant was right, or even if he was in only in his 30s and just looked quite mature for his age, the killer would be in his, like, 70s or 80s now, if he's even alive still. So that that kind of is sad because he might get away with it completely. And, I mean, at this point, even if they were to get him, it's, I mean, how often do they put old, old, old men in jail? <laughs> Not super often, so. Ooh, sorry, hit my headphones on the microphone. But yeah, so that is the story about Kelly Cook. Uh, so if anybody does have any information or feels they might have any information about this case, uh, we do encourage you to still come forward, uh, still talk to the RCMP about it. Um, it is still an open case. There is still a reward being offered for information leading to an arrest and conviction. So if you are able to help, even if it just means sharing this podcast and talking about this case to others, you know, maybe it'll jog somebody's memory. Maybe it'll help out a little bit. If anything, it just brings a little bit more awareness to, you know, definitely keeping in touch and getting more information before going to places that you are not familiar with. Um, Always let somebody know where you're going, like always. So, um, 
that that is it that is kelly cook um so that being said (laughs) we're uh trying to work some through things through uh we are up on facebook uh there's getting high with true crime is the page uh and then getting high with true crime podcast is our community group so you feel free to join the group or like and follow the page uh in the group it's kind of going to be where you can suggest cases you can talk about things uh with everything we want to keep it kind of nice and PG like nothing too disturbing like so if it's about something like that I mean you can be vague about it we can figure it out we're all true crime fanatics I'm sure so we can figure it out um but you can also talk about other things like you had a hilarious funny moment or you see something weird and funny whatever share it with the group bring a little cheer and joy to everyone else around the world um that being said we're being listened to in nine different countries right now so that's kind of cool <laughs> um canada is still our biggest listener base which is no surprise i mean that's where we're from and what else what else uh yeah we're pretty much on most of the podcast streaming services out there now so easy to find and easy it makes it easier to suggest to others uh i have been trying to keep posting uh youtube videos of the podcast i mean they're not like videos of us chit-chatting yet working on that but at the very least you'll get some nice clear audio and the cover page (laughs) for the whole video um yeah so that is it that is all and i got nothing else it's been a hell of a weekend and i've been battling with this podcast all weekend um so yeah this is me uh copping out (laughs) and not fighting with it anymore for this episode i'm already starting to write the next one and next one's probably going to end up being a two-parter um there is a lot of information involved so we'll see how that plays out and yeah so smoke one if you got one have a good night Bye bye. Bye bye now.